Things, the podcast and radio show from the David A. Howe Public Library, recorded right here in Wellsville, New York. I'm Allie Stevick. I'm Nick Gunning, and today we have a special guest, and it's bittersweet because this is Heather Malloy's first appearance on the podcast. Heather, hello. Hi, hi. How, how are you? I'm great. We're, we're glad to have you. Uh, I say bittersweet because Heather's leaving. Heather's leaving Yay. the David A. Howe Public Library. Heather, it's, uh, it's been so much fun having you here, but we're excited for you to go off and do fun, exciting things. Can you tell us a little bit about the fun, exciting things you're going to do? Yes, yes, I can try. First of all, it is very hard to leave y'all. I will yeah. say that. That's the, the I appreciate it. Part. It is a digital special effects coordinator role. Okay. Um, mostly for television and movies. Cool. Uh, they do a lot for Blue Bloods and very weird like indie movies and things like that. So okay. Exciting. Okay. I have a Blue Bloods connection for you because, <laughs> yes, I do. Because I just saw the New Kids on the Block tour at KeyBank oh. and Donnie Wahlberg. Oh was right there. Johnny Wahlberg of Blue Bloods. You guys, uh, that was the most fun concert I've ever been to, I think. And I'm not even a huge New Kids on the Block fan. It was just fun. It was just pure fun. Do you guys New Kids on the Block at all? I'm just going to pretend I know what we're talking about. The New Kids on the Block peaked before either of you was born, I'm pretty sure. But they just kept hanging on, you know? They kept hanging on. So I went with my sister-in-law. It was New Kids on the Block. It was salt and pepper. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, that, that, I know them. I and know them. Vogue and Rick Astley. So it was such oh. a throwback tour. And we got the cheapest seats that you could get. And we got there and they'd undersold. And so they were like, well, we're closing the third floor. So we're going to get you guys new seats. And they were like, do you want floor seats? Oh, my God. <laughs> and it was just like, they just went for it. Like all these guys are like 50 plus, And they just they just went for it like it was 1982. We had the time of our lives. So that's that's my Donnie Wahlberg story. So if you meet him, you can tell him that I had a great time at the I concert. Like, yeah, you remember Nick? The yeah, the glasses. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Of course he knows. Of course Absolutely. he knows. Oh, you guys! Today uh, we're doing a Lonely Hearts book club. This is a, a segment that's a holdover from the All the Book Show, uh, where we would just pick a book from the stacks that hadn't got much love, and we take a look at it and investigate it. The last time I did this was with Daphne. You're familiar with Daphne. Mm-hmm. And uh, the book we picked, well, that I picked, because part of the gimmick is that I never look at them. I never, I just, this is never checked out. The cover looks fun. Let's do it. As we started reading segments from it, we found that it was very sexist and more than a little racist. So it was a real, it was a real whirlwind. So I hope that today the book is better than that. And uh, I think it's going to be. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Let's start by opening up our books and see where our bookmarks are at. Heather, since you're the guest, what have you been reading? What have you been watching? What's uh, what's new in the world of Heather? So I actually just finished reading Lapvona, which is Otessa's new book. Okay, okay. And she wrote like Eileen? Yes. Is that what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My Year of Rest and Relaxation, yep. which, Allie, these books... You have to try my year of rest and relaxation. It is the most depressing. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's oh! Right before nine eleven. <laughs> oh, Ooh. and it's about a woman trying to like induce a self-medicated coma. My year. Oh, of rest and relaxation. Wow. Wait, wait. That's her plan for the year of rest and relaxation. I'm thinking like tour the yeah. beaches, no. do mm-hmm. some yoga, maybe a little hiking. But no, she's like self-induced coma or bust. Yeah, yeah pills, baby. Wow. Nonstop. Wow. She has this friend who is an artist, who is like a performance artist, who comes and takes care of her. 
during that time and like sort of keeps a record of mm. all of the really insane things that she does. <laughs> but I digress. The new book, Labvona, is people are kind of describing it as like this witchy, medieval-y type. Which oh, interesting. I mean, thing, that has some appeal. Yeah, yeah. And it was even more depressing okay. than any of her other books I've read. And But did it deliver on the witches? It did. Okay. <laughs> it did. There's this woman who is like this shriveled old husk of a person who oh. nurses uh, everyone in the village. Okay. Every single person. She's mm-hmm. been alive for like a hundred and some years. She's blind. The biggest trigger warning, you've got like incest. You've wow. got a little bit of weird, well, you know, medieval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So yeah. it goes. Weird like animal cruelty. You've got a lot of uh, self-harm with heavy-handed religion okay so yeah yeah it was um so just a cozy beach read yeah, kind of thing just yeah just right cuddle now, up with yeah. a with a chunky sweater and a coffee mug and, mm, and that's read exactly it. what i think of reading during this time of year is it like right? you know it what really, yeah it, it inspires yeah yes. how about some medieval torture that sounds oh, yeah. great I okay i don't know if i hate that's what i was saying i'm not sure if i hated it yeah I have, I, I've read books like that. It was so... And yeah. this is kind of her bread and butter, mm-hmm. is that the whole idea is that she just... Everything she does is repulsive and kind of has these really transgressive narratives. Mm-hmm. But it's like, is it because the art sort of dictates it or the, the stories dictate it or is she just being purposefully... Is it there? gratuitous? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but I would definitely recommend reading it. Okay. Terrible, but read it. <laughs> I think I might pass on that one. But yeah. I'm, but yeah, we can just I'm pretend a, that I'm I took Allie. your recommendation. And you'll nod and be like, yeah, I mm-hmm. know oh, yeah. exactly mm-hmm. what you mean. What about you, Allie? Uh, did your Louise Penny holds come in? Ooh. Yes. So oh, okay. After waiting for a really long time. Yeah. She's popular. Hold, she is popular, yeah. which like I understand why. Yeah. So I feel like I can't complain. Mm. But after waiting a really long time, I got in the, I think it was like the 10th Louise Penny. Honestly, at this point, I'm losing track of which number is which. I have to like, every time when I finish one and I go to get the next one, I have to like go back on Goodreads and be like, what's the next one? I'm losing track. This is, isn't this just been this year? Like 2022 has been the year of Penny for Like I read Still Life at the very end of 2021. And then pretty much this has just been like the year of like binge reading Louise Penny. Going through it. So. I went through a similar thing, but it was with She-Hulk comics. So I can relate. Understandable. I I can relate. Honestly, I feel like there's a lot of similarities. Do you? I I could see it. That sounds like a podcast episode to me. (laughs) Compare and contrast. Yeah, She-Hulk and Gamash. How do they they, they compare? Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. So I like listened to that one like really fast. And then luckily for me, the next one that I needed was like available already. And so I like binged from one right into mm. the next. I usually need, I usually need a buffer. Well, some of it was the end of the one was like unexpectedly sad. Oh. And so I was like, we have to keep going. Not that there's really going to be like more answers necessarily yeah. in this yeah. book. But I was like, we have to just keep going or I don't know what will happen. Right. So we yeah, got, so I'm on the 11th one now. Okay. Working my way through. Um, I've been working on... You must be getting close to catching up. I think there's 17, so I still have a few. But also, I'm kind of like trying not to think about the fact that soon I'll be caught up and I have to like wait like for the the next one, like everyone else who's actually caught up. Right, right. So... That's a hard place to be in. Yeah. I've been working slowly my way through Bleak House by Charles Dickens, (laughs) which I'm reading with some friends online in like a little Facebook group and we talk about it on Wednesdays and Saturdays. That's cool. Yeah. It's been a good way to do it because it's like a thousand page book more or less. And so you need like a little external motivation to be like, I got to read the chapters for this week kind of a thing. So I feel like that's maybe one of the positives uh, to (laughs) to come out of the pandemic is a lot more like Mm -hmm. online hangs. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I think we were kind of heading in that direction anyway, but it just seems like that's become 
it, it used to feel like more of like a big deal, you know, right. to like, oh, yes, or like let's weird all figure and this like out. futuristic. Yeah, yeah, right. And now it's just sort of like whatever. Yeah. Like I've been doing this book club with some friends of mine for years now. We used to try to like get together. But as people moved away, we were already kind of leaning more towards digital. And now it's just kind of like, yeah, we have it. My wife's doing one with her friend Kendra. It's just like. I love I know. it. I love it. A whole it. new world of possibilities. Well, and it's like my extended family did like a group Zoom call. I forget oh. when it was, like a mm-hmm. little while ago. Yeah. And I was like, this is never a thing we did before. Like this is right. totally a yeah. pandemic thing that we're doing this. Right. But like if we can get a few wins out of the pandemic, I'm yeah. here for it. I agree. So. I agree. Dylan Newton would agree as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so Bleak House, is it bleak? It's not nearly as bleak as I expected, oh, actually. Okay. Yeah, and it was called Bleak House, and the cover's like all foggy and like upsetting yeah. looking. And like, there's a lot of things that I'm like, this isn't great, but it's not overall as bleak as I anticipated. Hmm. Okay. It goes back and forth between a first person narrator and a third person narrator. Oh, uh, yeah. It actually works. It's like, I wouldn't have expected it from like this Victorian yeah, novel. Right. But it goes back and forth between being like, here's generally these things that are happening with like these awful lawyers and all these things. And then this like really just like wholesome and sweet young woman who's like yeah. narrating the first person stuff. And so I feel like she really keeps the overall tone of the book from like totally dive bombing. So shout out to Esther Summerson. I feel House. like, you know, atypical, know, right? atypical narrative style and, and even stuff that feels modern today is sort of a hallmark of, dickens writing yeah don't you think i mean Mm -hmm. a christmas carol for example i just think the format of that is is very different and i'm slowly reading through david copperfield as Mm -hmm. we've discussed and same thing it's just like the the vignette style of it makes sense when you think about like slowly publishing in magazines and things but regardless it just feels like a novel that would be written today and i think that's pretty amazing yeah really, i think so as age. well so we have a whole episode on victorian novels ellie yes because i'm obsessed with victorian you are novels. you're broadening my horizons because we also yeah the new thing they've done with dracula where like they're releasing like every diary entry from jonathan like per so like if there's no journal entry for a month you don't get anything in your inbox for a month but you oh, oh my gosh it's re you know that's really that's cool for in the newspapers they're like redoing it so now this whole generation of younger kids yeah. are sort of like rediscovering it and like, right. oh, that Harker going to see Dracula, you know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That warms my heart. Oh, it's so good. I'll, I'll send you a link to it. That sounds Perfect. cool. That sounds really cool. Even something us old New Kids on the Block fans, I think, could get into, really, oh, sure. if we tried, sure. you know, broadening our horizons. I mean, Dracula's accessible for any age. Good point. Good point. Except maybe we small children, but mm-hmm. they'll, they'll grow into it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Any age, you say. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, speaking of books I'm slowly reading, uh, I've been reading Winds of Dune by Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. The sci-fi book club here at the library is launching, and we're doing Dune, the classic Dune. That's our first book uh, for August. And I've read that before, and I've read a couple other ones. So I wanted to read something in the Dune universe just to kind of like get back into it. This one is set between... Um, Frank Herbert's, the original Dune trilogy is Dune, Dune Messiah, and then Children of Dune. This book is set between Messiah and uh, Children of Dune. And it's not necessary. It's, mm. That's just... It's I a kept, throwaway book. Yeah, I just kept wanting to like it. And it's written much later by the author's son. And this mm. is a whole thing they've yeah. been doing. Um, and I've read one of the other midquels that was written later called Paul of Dune. And that I felt like actually did... Well, it didn't really move the story forward. I thought the more modern style of writing kind of helped flesh out the characters a little mm, bit. And mm-hmm. I appreciated that. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's read Winds of Dune. I wouldn't recommend it. It's just, it's a lot of it is flashbacks. It is really narratively awkward where one of the characters, Jessica, is like, let, let me tell you something that happened when Paul was a child. And then yeah. it goes into an extended flashback. Oh. 
Right? Interesting. Isn't that awful? Yeah, that's a that's a little that's a choice. It is a choice, and every time it happens, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to. So <laughs> skip, skip, skip. So I'm sad to say it's a thumbs down because I've been enjoying the Dune books otherwise. But so and the first one's good, you know. Just, I, it takes some time. How many Dune books are there? Because I feel like I constantly yep. see more Dune books. So yeah. It's like there's one that's like Dune that yes. I'm like, okay, we know what that is. And then I'll be like, you know, reshelving books or whatever, and I'm like, there's more and more and more Dune, yes. and it seems endless. So there are six original Dune books by Frank Herbert that he wrote over the course of a couple of decades during his lifetime. And then his son, also a a sci-fi author, Brian Herbert, uh, had written some things with Frank Herbert when he was alive, took the notes and finished him with another sci-fi author, Kevin J. Anderson. Okay. And so they did that and kind of finished out the things that were in Frank Herbert's notes. And then we're like, let's, let's roll the dice and keep going, baby. Let's keep writing these sandworms. I feel like that's when it gets a little iffy. Yeah. So there's like, that's a money thing. There's a lot of those, and they're continuing. I mean, they're continuing to be popular, and they're continuing to be printed. So there, to answer your question, there are six classic Frank Herbert-written okay. Dune books. And beyond that, there's all sorts of sequels and prequels and spinoffs. Okay. I feel much more yep. confident about the Dune situation so, now. So, thumbs down on Winds of Dune, but I did read a historical fiction called The Forest of Vanishing Stars. It's by Kristen Harmel. This is one we have in our collection. Really interesting story. It's World War II setting, and it primarily follows a group of Jewish people who are hiding from the Nazis in the woods, like surviving in the woods. And the main character is a woman who was taken from her German family as a toddler and raised in the woods by this woman who has sort of a like a premonition. She's like, I got to get this kid out of here or she's going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so that's what sort of set things off. And so this woman who's who ends up because she was grown up in isolation in the woods uh, knows all these tricks about surviving in the Ooh. woods. So she kind of takes leadership of these of multiple groups of uh, Jewish people who are just looking for survival. And she's kind of the, the counterpoint to that. And of course, her German roots come back into play and everything. I, I can't say that it always avoided going for the melodrama because mm-hmm. it definitely hit that. In most cases, I felt like that was earned and it did work. So I would recommend it. Forest of Vanishing Stars, it's called. Really cool, really cool historical fiction. Anything on uh, what's on your to read list? What's uh, what's next? What's up in the air? What is next on my to-read list? I did that thing. I asked you an unprepared question. <laughs> you asked me an unprepared That's question. That's mine. I could tell you mine while you think. All right. I picked up Loveless by Alice Oseman because we're going to be talking about that uh, in the future. And I'm also reading some X-Men, Brian Wood's X-Men run. That's where they take all of the female X-Men and give them like their own book and team, which is cool. Yeah. yeah. I actually so just finished me. Loveless. Oh, did you? I did. Oh, I saw your Goodreads review. You were mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> about well, it. Well, like I liked it, but there were parts about yeah. it that I was like, this is just sort of stressful to read. Uh, yeah. This is like triggering memories of freshman year of I college, Ellie, <laughs> and I, I'm not here for that. You don't like going back to that. Okay. I learned about Loveless on this podcast. You I remember that. that. Yeah, it was yeah. one. Uh, it was on the YA bestseller list. Anything on your list? You're, you're going to be moving and traveling and doing all sorts of stuff, so... I actually just... I have a friend who lives out in California, and we trade book recommendations. Oh, that's cool. And one of the goals is to try to find a book that we would hate the most. Oh. So, like, she actively looks for ones I okay. would absolutely hate. Have you heard of Twilight? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> When I was in middle school, Twilight was the thing. Oh, for sure. So I yeah. I have a soft spot for it. Yeah. I really do, even though it is garbage. Yeah. Um, I unapologetically like the first movie. I think it's, like, wait, fun and goofy. Yeah. What? This is news. Yeah. Yeah, it is camp. It is camp. I feel like in that first movie, they're aware that it's camp. And I think after that, they lose sight of that. But I feel like the first movie goes for it in a way that I find delightful. I just can't take it. You look horrified, Allie. You've never seen it? Nope. Okay, do you know what riff tracks are? 
No. Do you guys ever like Mystery Science Theater? Do you know those old Mystery Science Theater? It was a show that was on many different channels. Most recently, the Sci-Fi Channel or Netflix. There was a Netflix revival, and they would take a campy B horror movie and watch it, and they would just make comments throughout mm. the whole thing. So it's great. It's hilarious. Now those guys have a site called Riff Tracks where they do the same thing. So you can okay. download the track and play it along with the movie. And there's huh. a riff of the first Twilight movie that is maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, I will have to yeah. look into that. But even so. So, yeah. So you, you have a soft spot for Twilight. So I, that's not going to work for a book you hate the most. But I, you know, looking back at it now as someone that is adult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to do the parenthesis or the quotations, but you know. For myself. Okay, okay. It horrifies me. Yeah. It is terrifying to think, especially because it was so popular amongst, we'll pretend for the sake of argument, yeah. there's only two genders, young women, mm-hmm, that, ooh. Yeah. I don't know. Well, back on the All the Books show, my friend Kendra is a huge Stephanie Meyer fan, a huge Twilight fan. Oh. And so we did a spotlight on that when Midnight Sun came out. Oh, God, yeah. I know. <laughs> So I have, I've never read the books, but I read that the short second life of Brie Tanner, which is like a little spinoff. Mm-hmm. And I also read the, the manga of it oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. preparation for that episode. And I forgot just how like destructive and damaging that relationship is. And like, if that's the relationship you're holding up as like the epitome of what like love is, I, you should trouble. you should not you should not do that yeah. you should not do that so. that's really my big nope to that series oh agreed yeah I, I couldn't recommend it in good conscience there's like small gems in there like there's a part where um she comes down the stairs wearing and stephanie meyer if you aren't aware is is very strongly in the mormon church and a lot of the oh. books like a lot of rosalie's backstory i'm not too i don't know much about the religion itself but her entire backstory and her name is from one of the stories that relates to the religion. Oh. So a lot of elements in there, like waiting for marriage before you were intimate with Sure, sure. Other things like that. Uh-huh. So anyway. Bella I didn't know that. Oh, oh okay. Interesting. Google it sometimes. I will. See. Yeah. A lot of, <laughs> so Bella's coming down the stairs. And yeah. she's in a long khaki skirt and a long sleeve blue button down. And Edward sees her and he's like, you are just so delicious. And so, like, ooh, that outfit. <laughs> and reading this as, like, a 12-year-old, yeah. right? I was like, this can't be true. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I got to get me a long khaki <laughs> skirt. So there are gems like that in it. But, yeah, for the most part, Nick's right. It's so toxic. It's not good. No, it's, it. it's really damaging. I mean, it's an abusive relationship. I don't see how you can get around that. Definitely. And it's sort of uh, raised up, so... You get like the really, really awful stuff with Jacob and Renesmee, yeah. their daughter. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty uncomfy. That is, yeah. That there's no reason Stephanie Meyer, Miss Stephanie Meyer, if you're out there. Yeah. No. Boy, I didn't know this was going to be a takedown of the Twilight books, but I am here for it, yeah, and I know you down. are. Oh yes. Yeah. So bad. Okay. Uh, All right. Anywho. Whew, what a little cul-de-sac that was into yeah. the series of Twilight. Uh, the host also really bad, but oh, terrible movie too. <laughs> <laughs> I heard marginally better things about that one. Did you? Mm-hmm. Which, mind you, isn't saying very much at all. Yeah, yeah. But for what yeah. it's worth. Yeah. Okay. All right. I saw where the crawdads sing. I saw it right here at the Grand Theater in Wellsville. Everybody. And I don't know. Have you guys read the book? I have not. It's awful. You have read the book? I'll say. It is. It's well. I guess I read it. And I understood why, because I feel like as as bad as it is, it's very readable. Like it's a it's a yes. quick read. It's all just archetype, 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 archetype. And so 
it's almost like a shorthand for reading and storytelling. So you mm. really can pound through it. So I do understand the appeal of it. Mm. I went to the movie, my wife and I, because our, our son is at camp. So we were like, we have free nights. Let's go see whatever's <laughs> playing at the movie. And so we went to see it, both having read it, both knowing what we were going to expect. And we and we're like an hour in, we're like, why did we do this? We know <laughs> we this, did this book. To why did we do this? It's torture. And yeah, it's just, I feel the same way about the movie that I do about the book. It's just kind of like, but why? Yeah. And like, maybe give a little bit of thought to, I don't know. So many people love this book. I don't, you know, if you enjoy it, that's great. Is today just the day we're going to like bash really popular things? But, you know, the thing is, like, I think there's value in stuff that's just sort of like fun and mindless. I mean, that... It's a good beach read, as we were saying. Yeah, yeah. And that truly, like, from from 2020 to like now, reading like light, fluffy fiction has been a real like oasis for me. And so, like, I don't fault anybody for that. But I think that that is just something that has to be acknowledged about that book and the movie, that it's just, you know, it, I hate the phrase, but it is what it is. It's just, here yeah. you go, you know? So, yeah, crawdads. There's a weird, too, I probably shouldn't even say because I don't know much about it. <laughs> I, I mean, let's, let's roll. <laughs> let's do it. The author in, like, an old murder case? Yes. Oh, yeah, I saw something about that, and I was I like, don't, what? Yes, I don't know the story enough to, like, really say that, but I know what you mean, and okay. it's it's worth a Google. So yeah. we'll squint at it suspiciously, but yes, I won't say. There yep. is. We'll just, yeah, there, there yeah, is, there is some eye. weirdness there. Woo! Somebody say something they like quickly. Anything. You know what? I do. I do have a fun story. I do have a fun story, you guys. Um, back in January for the Youth Media Awards, Kate and I did an episode about all the books that were nominated. And it was a mixed bag that year. And we were pretty much in line with the things we liked and didn't like. And one of the things that we both loved was a book called Soul Food Sunday. And so it was one that I read with my son and he loved it. And we just we really enjoyed the book. We liked the illustration. We liked the story. And it was just like a nice pleasant read you know and so we talked about that quite a lot well the other day i just get a, a cold call and uh, did you take the call you did, did right yeah <laughs> and it was from uh winsome bingham who wrote soul food sunday and she was like are you, are you you're you're nick you're the one who does the podcast and i was like yeah and she explained who she was and that a friend of hers had sent her that episode and she listened to it was just you know really touched by the things that we had to say uh she sent a signed copy of the book for my son because he particularly oh. loved it and she sent a signed copy to the library and sent me a very nice handwritten note just uh you know thanking me for for the conversation that Kate and I had. And I just thought that was so, it was so, so nice. I'm, I think it's cool that it got to her. I think it's, yeah. it's really kind of her to seek us out and let us know that uh, she listened and appreciated it. So there's your good news. And there's a book I like right there. Oh, yeah. what an angel. What I know. To do? So nice. I the, know. the book is great. We're going to have her on the show a little bit later on. So wow. yeah. Yeah. So That's looking awesome. forward to that. All right. Shall we move into some book news? Or is there anything else for the, uh, currently watching list that we need to cover ali uh britcoms from the 80s on vhs anything Ooh. like that or? um i feel like i saw a britcom from the 80s recently i bet you but did. i can't actually yeah. remember what it was so okay we're gonna go with the definite maybe on that one okay i did watch the new persuasion oh okay oh no i've oh i'm hiding behind this because i can't wait to hear did you like it did you hate it Ye- both huh. <laughs> it like I've been seeing articles being like, is this the least accurate slash worst Jane Austen oh, adaptation yeah. ever? Which I'm like, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it did a lot of things that were really interesting and neat and unexpected, but it also made a lot of choices that I was like, I don't understand why is you it, would do that. Is it set in space? Oh, I wish. It might be better if it was set in space. <laughs> I'd I'm be not down gonna lie. For that, yeah. Well, because it's like it 
updates a lot of the dialogue and like things that happen. But is it still set? At but the... it's still supposedly oh, set in the Regency era. So it feels weird. So I'm like, yeah. if you're going to like make these comments like, we're worse than exes, we're friends, which I'm like, Jane Austen would never ever say this. Yeah. You ha- like, why are you also pretending that you're in the right. Regency era? It just right. feels weird. But Check a side here. Don't. It was yeah. a fascinating experience. I will say that at the very least. Did you guys ever watch the Romeo and Juliet with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes from decades ago? Grip my chair before I start talking about this. Yeah, the, <laughs> the Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's just what reminds me have of you that. Seen but that, I have not. I saw it. I saw it in theaters. My my yes, my friend and I worked out an elaborate uh, ruse for a double date, and it worked. Ooh. Oh, an it, elaborate ruse. It did work. Yeah. Wait, are you yeah. going to share the story of the celebrity? Oh, I mean, my, taunt it. my friend Rochelle liked this guy, Dan, and I liked this girl, Jessica. And we were like, well, what if you, I'll invite Dan to come to the movies and you invite Jessica and then we'll all go to the mall and we'll like, we'll go to the movies. Ah. And we had this like, and then we have to go in this order. So we end up sitting by the right, right person and then food court afterwards. Uh, it all went perfectly fine. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a shock. It was it was good. Like having and, a plan that's like detailed like that and having oh yeah. it actually go off without oh yeah. a hitch, like that's impressive. Oh yeah. No, it was it was a it was a real Ocean's Eleven for us there. But uh we saw we saw Romeo and Juliet. So but you feel like you have strong feelings about it and I'm just here for it, Heather. I do because any Baz Luhrmann movie have you seen Moulin Rouge with Nicole Kidman and I have not. I'm sorry to disappoint. Allie, I'm oh, you haven't seen list. Moulin Rouge? Wow. I have not. I've seen Moulin I Rouge. I read about it in Loveless. They mention it a number of times. Okay. I just saw Elvis that recently. That makes me feel qualified to talk yeah. about this. No. Elvis. No? No. Heather, what's all this? Let's. It's hostile. I love <laughs> it. What is it? What do you got? Well, Romeo and Juliet yeah. is something. I remember seeing that for the first time in like sixth grade English class. Okay. Okay. And they were like, you don't think Romeo and Juliet is hip. Well, guess again. <laughs> <laughs> Play the film. And it's it's a lot. Yeah. I think it's successful in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, it's just, I mean, it is maximalism mm, to the mm, max. Mm-hmm. Like anything Baz Luhrmann does, Allie, is like, you think it has one rhinestone on it? You should put about 50. Yeah, there's no, there's no like medium setting. Mm-hmm. No, no way. No restraint. Yeah, it's all or nothing, baby. Color, music. Uh-huh. Everybody's like uh-huh. acting as if they're on fire and going <laughs> to die. And... <laughs> yeah, take that, Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, if you're listening, take that. Wow, yeah. Okay, so not a fan of Baz. Okay. It's so weird because it's Leonardo DiCaprio as a baby and Claire Danes. Are you familiar with Claire Danes? I don't think I am. All the things I could think of to tell you also predate you. So, you know, like my so-called life. That's not going to help you. But uh, Homeland? Homeland, yes. Anything? One of the Terminator movies? The bad one? No, I definitely haven't seen the bad Terminator movie. (laughs) 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 All right. So so thumbs down, Romeo and Juliet. Like a middle. Okay. I think everybody should watch it in their lifetime. You do? Okay. I don't think it's like... Yeah, you're not like, oh, this is great, I love it. You're it was like, certainly you an interesting. I mean, do you know? Do you know what it is? They just use the script. That's it. It's just like the Shakespeare. Okay, everything is updated. Okay, like but the they look just use and, the script. Yeah, like but the they 90s. just use the okay. Yeah, in the nineties. Straight Romeo yeah. and Juliet. Yeah, interesting. Yep. And gangs. Yeah. You know, it was the nineties because I watched it in a successful mall with the thriving food court. So you know, <laughs> you know that's yeah. got to be nineties. Did you not like Elvis either? I didn't go see it because I was oh, okay. like. Eh. I have so many issues with Elvis and... You have issues with Elvis? Yeah. What a fascinating little individual you are, Heather. Well, he like groomed his wife from a child. That's, that, is a, that is a creepy that element. Is a and they do to have an issue. Mm-hmm. They do gloss over that. They do gloss over that, yeah. Hollywood, baby. Yeah, like, yeah. Kind of part of the yeah, place. I mean, there's a, lo- there's a lot of the, the, the less shiny things that they were just kind of like, 
me. You know. Not today. Not in this book. Yeah. 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 So that's true. That's a fair criticism. I don't know how we got here, but I'm having a great time. Yeah, who's to say? Elvis is also, I mean, he's a very tragic figure Absolutely. also. You know, and I think like you can't really talk about Elvis, I think, without acknowledging the fact that like he was definitely a victim of a machine that mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. overtook him. But yeah, definitely non-flattering uh, parts of that movie were uh, a little bit a little bit glossed over. But mm-hmm. I felt like the Baz Luhrmann of it all actually kind of worked with Elvis because, definitely, you know, yeah. by the end, he was a walking rhinestone. So it, it makes sense. <laughs> You know, I mean, you know, if the shoe fits, yeah, you gotta be a walking rhinestone. The shiny, the blue suede shoe. (laughs) That's an Elvis song. Elvis was a singer from the fifties to the seventies. Allie, he was very popular. All right, uh, we gotta get out of this. We gotta get out of this, you guys. Uh, I'm I'm gonna move on to some book news, and that is the Eisner Awards. The Eisner Awards were just announced at Comic-Con this past weekend, so I'm going to tell you some of the winners. So here we go. I'm pulling this from comicsbeat.com, and there's a lot of them, so I'm going to be selective with the ones I tell you. So, uh, best single issue or one shot. The winner went to Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Phil Jimenez. I haven't read this, but I do like Kelly Sue DeConnick. She had a pretty uh, epic run on Aquaman, which was a lot of fun. For Best Ongoing Series, Bitter Root by David F. Walker, Chuck Brown, and Sanford Green. Uh, in the list here, we also have Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing, which I did read, and that is a weird, trippy Hulk story, you guys. It's all about, can the Hulk be killed? Is he immortal? And it becomes a real uh, unsettling body horror kind of Hulk story by the end, oh. which, yeah, so I feel maybe... Like Heather just got, like, more yeah. interested <laughs> as soon as you said those words. Heather has cared about the Incredible Hulk for the first time today Heather. here, I'm like, I'll pass on the body horror, and Heather's like, let's go. Yes. I need seconds of that. Yep, yep. We also have Something is Killing the Children by James Tinney in the fourth, also a good writer that I've read a lot of, a lot of Batman stuff, and Werther Del Adera. So those are the winners for Best Continuing Series. Best Limited Series went to The Good Asian by Porznak, Pichichote, and Alexander Tefengi. That's an image comic. Uh, best new series went to The Nice House on the Lake, uh, also by James Tinney in the fourth with uh, Elvaro Martinez Bueno. In there is uh, also nominated was The Human Target by Tom King. Uh, Tom King is one of those love him or hate him kind of uh, authors. And I'm not usually in the love him crowd there. Best publication for early readers, Chibi Usagi, Attack of the Heebie Chibis by Julian Stan Sakai. Uh, I do love that title. So pretty good, yeah. There's a lot going on. Yes. It just goes. It just <laughs> You're goes. Right. You're right. Best publication for kids went to Salt Magic by Hope Larson and Rebecca Mock. I know I've read Hope Larson. Do you know that name, Allie? Yeah. I feel like she's done quite a lot of yeah. like the Juve graphics. Yeah. I feel I'm like I see her name over there all I the time. I feel like she did some of those fairy tale ones that we read. I don't know. Um, She might have. I'll have to look it up. The cover looks great. The cover makes me want to read it. It does look cool. So. That's a cool I can one. Confirm. Best publication for teens, The Legends of Auntie Poe by Shin Yin Kor. Have we talked about this one? I feel like we yeah. have. I want to say it might have been in a bestseller list at some yeah. point. I, I think you're right. I know we have it in the collection. Adora in the Distance by Mark Bernardin and Ariel Christentina uh, was also nominated for that. I didn't love that book, but Mark Bernardin's the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts. So shout out to uh, Fat Man Beyond. Best <laughs> best humor publication, Not All Robots, by Mark Russell and Michael Diodata Jr. And 
Best Anthology went to You Died, an anthology of the afterlife, edited by Kel McDonald and Andrea Purcell. That sounds kind of cool. Yeah. So a lot of really cool things in this. Oh, I have to mention Best Graphic Memoir Run, book one by John Lewis. Uh, Malik and I did this for Black History Month. We both read it and talked about it, and it was really good. I, I liked it quite a bit. I liked it even better than March which is, you know, uh, itself, it's a legendary series, but Run was was really cool and covered a time that I feel like is less documented, you know, as far as as far as the civil rights history goes. I feel like you focus on the early days and Martin Luther King Jr. and all that, yeah, but right. that time immediately afterwards, I think kind of gets lost in the shovel. So Run was really kind of a shining a light on things that I just didn't know about. So uh, I, I enjoyed reading that quite a bit. Anyway, there's a whole list of winners. You can find this anywhere, but I'm pulling here from comics, comicsbeat.com. And this is the Eisner Awards for 2022. Boy, are you guys ready for uh, our Lonely Hearts Book Club? I am ready. Okay. I'm absolutely I ready. I don't. Lonely Hearts Book Club. So I mentioned at the top what this is, but with the Lonely Hearts Book Club, I run a report and I look at things that have either never circulated or haven't circulated in so long that they definitely are lonely sitting on the shelves there. Um, I, as we learned last time with Daphne, I don't read them ahead of time. I don't look into them at all. I just, I know what I know and that's it. And it's basically the cover. So our selection today is Dervish is Digital by Pat Cadigan. What? 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 Look at that. Look at that cover. Look at that cover. Is this a children's book? Isn't it a thing of beauty? No, it's not. It's not a children's book. It is by Pat Cadigan, as I said. Came out in 2001, I believe. This is book two of three in the Artificial Reality Division. It has had four checkouts in the past 21 years. Do we know how, how the other books have done? We don't have them. Oh. This is the only one. And we I have the middle book. We only have the middle book. Yeah. And we're also we're also the only library in the whole forty eight library system who has it. Oh, Elmira, so the pressure is on. Yeah, Elmira has one of her other books, but uh that's it for this. So just to explain the cover here, it's so hard. It's sort of like a a, a computery sort of grid in the background and you see you see the faint image of a woman, I wanna say. Uh, some sort of face. Some sort of face. She's got a hand that's on fire, and there's an ace of diamonds, and also maybe an ace of clubs, or maybe the ace of uh, diamonds something of is turning into a club. I don't know. The tagline, in a world. Oh, perfect. In a world <laughs> of lies, who will find the truth? In a city of false faces, who will discover your identity? Original cover price, twenty two ninety five. Oh, wow. Here in the United States. Give me your give me your reactions just to this cover because it's a lot. It's a lot There's to a take lot in. There's a lot going on. It's a lot. What do uh, you guys think? I'm overstimulated. Like yeah. I'm gonna guess some sort of like um, Y2K magiciany. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something. Yeah. It would feels you like... would you ever pick up this book? Probably not. Yeah. Or I would pick it up and I would be like, huh? Yeah. 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 yeah, it's. I feel like it's the white background. The yellow and red font don't really go with the aesthetic of the rest of the book. I feel like no. it's trying to look more sinister than it is succeeding. Well, I think if that makes sense. I think Heather's question is right because this does look like a mm. you know like you know something that you'd read on a shelf with like the Animorphs or Goosebumps, exactly, like yeah. late '90s, early 2000s, sort of like look at all the colors and weirdness. But I found the title difficult to read. 
like when I first saw it, I was like devilish in digital. What does that mean? But it's dervish. Dervish. Yeah. And the digital. like the R and the V almost look like a kind of like a W. Yeah. Dewish. Yeah. So Do-ish. so there's Do-ish. a lot there is a lot going on. Let me let me give you the synopsis, okay? And just to remind everyone, <laughs> I have not read this, so I don't have any idea what it's about. Brace yourselves. Okay. Uh, first, we have a quote from Entertainment Weekly. Hacker fiction isn't exclusively a men's club. Oh, boy. As Pat Cadigan demonstrates in novel after good novel. So if you guys thought hacker fiction was a men's club, you're both, again, you're yeah. both wrong. You're both wrong. We can get in. Det- <laughs> you can. It's not too late. <laughs> Detective Lieutenant Dore Constantine is up against it. Cadigan introduced her readers to Lieutenant Constantine in her last novel, Tea from an Empty Cup. Better title. It's a better title. I wouldn't think it was hacker fiction, but okay. I would not think that was Constantine is chief officer in charge of techno crime. Artificial reality division. It sounds better than it is. (laughs) I guarantee you it doesn't. (laughs) I promise you it does not. In fact, the AR division consists of three people and a caseload of crimes that are nearly impossible to solve. Now, as if handling her heavy caseload almost single-handedly weren't bad enough, she's got a bizarre stalker case to deal with. A woman named Susanna L. claims that she is being stalked by her ex-husband, Hasting Dervish. So there's oh. our Dervish. Oh, there's oh our that's Dervish. quite a name. Yeah. So maybe he's digitally stalking her. Oh God! That, I, that's I feel like that's where this is probably. I feel like go. that's where it's going too, and I guess for that I would say 2001. That's a little ahead of the curve. Definitely, you know. Yeah. Uh, it seems implausible at first. Dervish is an extraordinarily rich and powerful man. Oh boy, who should have better things to do? But as Constantine st- <laughs> like run for president. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Uh, but as Constantine starts to look into it, she discovers that it's not quite so hard to believe. Meanwhile, she herself has attracted the attention of another AR law enforcement agency, the East-West Precinct of of the Japanese Police. There's nothing Constantine dislikes more than people who take on the AR persona of children, and an East-West agent named Goku likes nothing better than to... (laughs) It's it's not Dragon Ball Z, so don't. Better than to troll low-down Hong Kong for AR deviants in the guise of a nine-year-old boy. But when Constantine realizes that Dervish has traded places with an artificial intelligence who is running the tables in low-down Hong Kong's casinos, she knows that she'll have to eventually make a deal with Goku to get the goods on Dervish. I need to take a nap after reading that. Wait, what? Also, yes. Firstly, yes. Are we supposed to understand that that the like taking swapping places with an AI and running casinos? Question mark. Something like that yeah. is happening in the in the like artificial reality or in real life because it didn't really seem like it's specified no i mean i guess i have to i mean if he's taking place is it like the casino is automated and dervish is somehow taking control of that automation and is like twisting it to his own maybe but also why like what does that have to do with the stalking his ex-wife i don't know what's the end goal here have funds to stock baby i guess i don't know so she (laughs) Is she? Is she a, yeah, stalk. she's a, a detective lieutenant. So yeah, so she she is a cop, and now she's dealing with the Japanese police, and her ex husband is maybe taking over a casino, maybe digitally, maybe maybe, maybe a rope, maybe an AI. And there's another cop named Goku, who is pretending to be a nine year old boy, trying to get the dirt on online predators. Why would a, oh? I think because it says troll low down Hong Kong for AR deviants. 
yeah. the guise of a nine-year-old Interesting. boy. Yikety-yikes. There's a lot here, and I don't think any of it seemed good to me. And it's such a small book. It is a small book. Yeah, like, book. How, yeah. Are, how are they going to... I don't gonna know how they're going to bring it home. Yeah, two hundred and uh, two hundred and some pages, two hundred and twenty-nine pages, and I mean it is book two, so a lot of the like world building or whatever, like establishing what the artificial whatever I forgot it already, artificial reality division is probably would have been taken care of in that empty teacup one. What's it called? Tea from an empty cup. That's it. That's so Which does, I like that sounds like a book I would read, but not this. But not this kind of thing. No. Well, Science Fiction Chronicle says tea from an empty cup is a sure winner. So, well, what are you, what are you going to do there? Um, and Library Journal says Cadigan's first novel in five years exhibits the author's high impact prose style, eminently suitable for a voyage into the world of high tech sci-fi. Eminently. Salon.com is comparing her a tightly plotted, crisply written novel that fits the classic noir mystery template set down by the likes of Raymond Chandler more comfortably than anything William Gibson has ever written. Wow, take that, William, I mean, William Gibson. I'm here for. Oh, but Noir she's mystery a la Raymond Chandler. Yeah, she's an Arthur C. Clarke, two-time Arthur C. Clarke winner. Wow. Okay. So, in her first novel in five years, she tells a gritty and downbeat tale of multiple murders, exchanged identities, and cybernetic sadomasochism. Constantine, the what? embittered cop, and Yuki, the rootless Nisi, are effective protagonists. But as is often the case in Cadigan's work, the author's pyrotechnic style and intensely detailed descriptions of cyberspace are the major attractions. This well-done example of cyberpunk noir detective fiction should especially appeal to fans of William Gibson. There's another one, Publishers Weekly. That is a huh. lot to take in. It is. It is. So I guess it's like a tech mystery, like a techno mystery. And that checks out, I guess, for 2001 being like cyberpunk. Right. And... Yeah. Yeah. I hmm. just have to laugh every time you say Goku. I can't it's, yeah. control it. It's an interesting choice. It is. It, it is definitely an interesting choice. Oh, she has a young adult book alley called Avatars. So if this strikes your fancy, you could you could take a look at that. Okay. Now, I've gotten in trouble just reading blindly before last time. So I'm going to give you chapter one. Here it is. Sitting on the fake leather chair in the cheesy hotel room, Constantine thought, this will be a very serious weapon. How do we feel about that first sentence, you guys? Is the chair the weapon? Yeah. It's a, uh, uh. Hmm. <laughs> I just... I'm not drawn in. I think cheesy hotel room is a bad line. Yeah, yeah, that uh, does seem like a, not the most, like that doesn't seem yeah. like the foot you want to start on. Right, no, no, I don't think so. I think you could have, you could have expressed it as a cheesy motel in a way that doesn't just outright say it. Or like I waited guess. a few sentences before, before mentioning. Right, maybe. It's a cheesy motel. Right, maybe, yeah. And I, I'm not, I'm not intrigued to find out what the weapon is either. Because yeah, no. it's probably the internet. <laughs> it's probably the internet. Okay, uh, let's continue. Now this, said the slim, angular woman sitting on the bed, this is a very serious weapon. Wait, what? I don't know. This yeah, is the weapon. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay. Constantine could see that she was very ser- a very serious arms dealer, meticulously well-dressed, the tasteful classic lines of her jacket and pleated skirt, suggesting a high-ranking officer of a yacht club that oh. would not for one moment consider admitting Constantine or anyone like her, especially not in those leggings and with that tunic. The one detail that said otherwise, the detail you had to watch for so you could tell the difference between the president of the Yacht Club membership committee and a very serious arms dealer, was the little finger on her left hand. It was artificial stainless steel with a brushed surface and a rectangular cut sapphire where the nail would have been. That was as close as she came to wearing jewelry. No earrings, necklaces, bracelets, rings, studs, or pins. So no jewelry. 
The stainless steel fingers seemed to impact even more grace to her gestures as she caressed the weapon lying across her thighs in a way that made Constantine think of game show prizes you couldn't possibly win. Game show prizes on thighs. Imagine yeah. That. How, how do we feel about that so far? I, it just got better and better slash worse and worse. It, it went a lot of places. It really did. Yeah. It seems sort of gloriously bad. Like Yeah. I, and I still don't know what we're talking about. And there was so much about yacht clubs. There was a lot about really yacht didn't clubs. resonate with me at all. So I, I, I was don't like, know. we're going to go on a whole little mini journey. Yeah. About yacht clubs. How, and then come back. She's got a stainless steel <laughs> finger, by the way. Yeah. yeah. With a sapphire nail. Yeah, and that's her only. I like that they listed every piece of jewelry. Every like, piece hey, of jewelry listen, that you could have. I know what you're thinking, but this is the list of jewelry that she won't wear. <laughs> and it is extensive. Um, I also like, I feel like if I had a stainless steel finger, I would not have a sapphire nail. Like somehow that makes it more uncanny valley to have a sapphire fingernail. The two things do not go together. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and also cause it's not like a silver finger or like a gold finger yeah. or like, it's like stainless steel, which I mean, to be fair, is probably more durable. The utility. But, but we don't know. I mean, maybe it was established that that's like a thing people do. Like maybe. they have cybernetic yeah. parts or whatever. And it's like you trick it out. You know, you bling it up. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Hmm. I just is, don't know. causing more questions than answers. I just don't know. Like the weird, the magician vibe of it. Like if this is supposed to be a noir mystery, it doesn't pull on that at all. You know what I mean? Like yeah. even for 2001. The cover does not look noir mystery. And no. the opening lines do not strike me as noir mystery. No. No. I don't no. know what it is. And I see, I mean, I definitely see, yeah, because there's, there's, a, there's a note on the front from William Gibson. Her fiction is ambitious and brilliantly executed. Cadigan is a major talent. And I feel, I feel the flavor of, like, um, William Gibson is kind of like the, do you know William Gibson? He's, he's kind of like the father of cyberpunk, I think you'd say. Oh. He wrote, like, Neuromancer and things like that, which are, you know. Okay, okay. Um, and there's something in the writing that does remind me of that, so I feel like she's purposely going for that, but... I just don't think so. I think if you're trying to hook a, a mystery reader, it's too much with the with the cyberpunk already. And it's not good cyberpunk. So if you're a cyberpunk fan, I don't think you're like, tell me more about the sapphire fingernail. So no. And the jewelry no. you refuse to wear. Yeah. Right. And the yacht club. A lot again, a lot of talk about. Well, yacht and it's club. like the only thing that feels noir mystery is being like there's this woman already, we don't know who she is, yeah. and she's got this weapon on her thighs that she's kind of caressing. Right. Which I feel like is I don't know. That feels like a like a Marlowe kind of move to have yeah. that kind of thing going I on. I know. When he said thighs, I made me. It made me feel like she wanted to be like you know she had gams that wouldn't quit. You know, right. it was like that's what it felt like to me. <laughs> it was a tall drink of water, and she needed my help. Uh, exactly. Which is like as a you know, <laughs> why would you lie? <laughs> <laughs> snort. <laughs> that's Allie's first snort of the podcast. Oh, Allie, I love you to laugh like that. <laughs> Heather, no, it's not. Okay, I'm going to go. This is page 14. I'm going to catch some dialogue. Down these mean casino aisles, said the cyborg to Constantine as they walked through the gambling palace. <laughs> something, 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 go. Or is it go something, something? He was a patchwork cyborg, very leading, bleeding edge these days. His name was Darwin. Constantine had traded her street life outfit for a shiny pastel plastic and a nondescript painted lady face she might have stood out among the far more ornamented crowds in the glitter and sparkle of the casino except she was sure that she was invisible in the shine so it's kind of do you ever read uh, a clockwork orange no so again 10 out of 10 recommend but terrible book okay okay 
so we're starting to get what Heather's vibe is, I guess. Does this make you uncomfortable and sad? (laughs) Two thumbs up from from Heather. That book has a lot of like so there's an entire invented language, like there are words, like it's a mix of like cockney slang with like made up words. Yeah. And to get into it, like you have to read the book like yeah. three times yeah. before it even sinks. And like right. I guess I kinda get that from her, like to a lesser degree. I see trying to get like this is the world. Yeah. This is the slang. Right. It's normal, but it just it's weird. I guess it feels to me almost like and, and maybe if we read the whole book, it would it would become clear. So we should Keep yeah. in mind that we're definitely as judging this book by basically its cover. But I feel like it's walking a line where it's you got to go one direction. You either got to like go more and make it almost over the top or you got to dial it back a little bit. And I think if the tone is meant to be serious, you got to dial it back a little yeah, bit. That's it does not I'm feel feeling. serious. No, well, and also like <clears throat> it's describing all these like techno things yeah. and that are like, kind of like vaguely futuristic and like yeah. all that kind of thing but it does feel very like 2001 yeah future tech if that makes sense which like there's no getting around that if you're writing right in yeah so like fair but just the way it's describing things and how i'm imagining them doesn't feel like it feels dated I it guess. does and i don't think um you know, I mean, I was graduating high school in 2001, and I can tell you that that version of me would not have been like, tell me more, you know, because it, it I guess it feels like it's almost going for like a realism, you know, there's like kind of a realism in the in yeah. what's being said that I think even then wouldn't really have worked, you know, and I can't. I can't say enough how bad this cover is. It's really I would never in a million years pick this up. This I I think I should also say that the me who existed in 2001 would also not have read You this. wouldn't have liked it. No. 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 Not well, 2001. What, what, what was she up to in those oh, days? Oh, she was reading, you know, um, just one of each. Okay. And uh, mm-hmm. um, Baby Duck in the Rain. Okay, so different. Yeah, yeah. different vibe. It's different less, vibe. Less cyberpunk. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. This this to me, if I, like looking at this cover, I feel like it's a it's a Christian kids movie on VHS. That's the vibe that I'm getting. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. You see that in a church library? So, I mean, that's bad right away. Um, do you want any more? Do you want anything else? Yes. Glass okay. Punishment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to, where are we at? This is chapter six and it's a big dialogue scene. So oh, we're just going to have to guess what's going on. Okay. Tomorrow's law enforcement day, Telefero said. They've got the warm bodies and the equipment, the new solution to the problem of the old switchola, Constantine sighed. I'm stuck on the outdoor. The outdoor is still among the beloved legends of our time, Telefero sounded amused. It's just a matter of which you find more plausible. More plausible than what? The guy who died from an AR cobravite or the blowfish who claimed he was kidnapped by aliens who strayed into our AR from their own? Blowfish? Well, I've already put in a search for all of Elle's matters of public record for you, Telefono told her soothingly. By this afternoon, it'll all be sitting in your inbox, organized chronologically, geographically, and alphabetically. If I let any more stuff go in there today, the damn thing will explode, said Constantine. So empty it once in a while. That's a day's worth of work by itself. I said empty it, not work on it. (laughs) Plead overloaded circuits and blanket erasure. Mail will supply you with backup copies in a couple of days pragmatist constantine said ah so's your old man your inflection is great there you go thank you (laughs) thank you thank you um uh ladies it's a no for me um i don't i don't i don't see it happening and you know i've we've been in the in the past 
we've done this and we've been like, why are people reading this? This sounds so fun. So it's not like every time they're bad. And sometimes ones with extraordinarily bad covers do end up being fun. So this one, I think a lot of it is the datedness of it. I mean, it's just sort of like a Jetson-y swing into what the future is going to be. But I really, yeah. I, and I think it's that noir, and I think, you know, that that's kind of a, a staple of early cyberpunk, but this is not early cyberpunk. This is 2001. So I feel like classic cyberpunk is going for kind of a, often, you know, Neuromancer, things like that, are going for kind of a, a, a slick noir vibe with like a hodgepodge futuriness to it. But this is just... It doesn't feel like it's quite doing that, or it's quite not doing that. No, no. It doesn't no. know what it's doing. I, yeah, I think that's the thing. I guess I would say clumsy. I would say it's just clumsy. You know, it's just kind of like, let's throw this stuff out and see what sticks. The The future tech that they're talking about, it just doesn't really make sense. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it's not like a natural extension of even 2000 technology. So... Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm sorry, Pat Cat again, but I don't think I'll be uh, checking in here. Agreed. Oh, I, I'm not gonna read it. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> just in case, just in case there was any question, Allie. Allie is a no. Well, it is here in the David A. Howe Public Library. You can come and check it out if, if you're it local. If it intrigues you. Yeah. If or it if you, you have like a Heather kind of taste in books. Right. It's you for know? you. It's yeah. For you. It could be. It could be. And, too, I would say, if you're a huge fan of this book, definitely tell us that. You can send us a message, Facebook, David A. Howe Public Library, a Twitter at All the Book Show. Let us know. Let us hear what we're missing about... Detailed uh, description, please. I have to keep looking at the cover because I literally forget the title every time I'm not looking at it. Dervish in Digital is the title of the book Even by Pat Cadigan. you just got rid of Dervish, if it was just in digital. Mm-hmm. Ten mm-hmm. times better, right off the bat. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The dervish does feel like like that's that's it's a lot on its own. It is anything with when you dervish. introduce dervish, and especially I mean I like it less knowing that it's the like the ex husband's name. Right. Yeah. I that think makes that makes it, makes it feel worse. Weird. Yeah, and I guess it's maybe like too on the nose if it's just about yeah. him going into the digital world. It's yeah. just like, so Pat, what's the book about? Well, dervish in digital. Stop right there. We've, We've got, got our title. title. I mean, E for effort. We hate to put, you know, one yeah. author down, especially in like that kind of genre. Yes. Which I imagine was really true. Good. That is true. That's a good point. That is a good time. point. Yep. Not great. Yeah. It's not only a man's game, Heather. That's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Message received. So if we've learned nothing else, even ladies can write some <laughs> <laughs> That's the That's the takeaway from Entertainment Weekly in 2001. Go and write some cyberpunk. I'd love to read it. Yeah. I would love to read. If you both could get me some pages by the end of the week, I'd really appreciate that. I would really appreciate that. Heather, you know, we record remotely all the time, so this doesn't have to be your only appearance on House Things. Oh, I would love it. This we'll find best. you. Okay. You guys, chef's kiss to you. All right. Here, I have to say. Heather, truly, thank you for your time here. We really, it's it's been a lot of fun having you. You've been great to work with, just getting along well with everybody and making the place more fun in general. Aww. I feel like just the music I've heard at the front desk has oh, broadened God. my horizons, so, yeah. you know, well, don't good times. Cry. Sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I didn't mean to. And we could have you back. You can Skype in. Oh, I would love it. We'll be able to get rid of me. <laughs> yeah. Skype is a 2001 technology that you might use to. I've used yeah. Skype. Have you? I have. Look at you. Yeah, I know. Wow. No, if you say you, you, you Old school. Aim, then I'll be really Old school. Impressed. I have not used it. Oh, I definitely did. Oh, yeah. Oh, little running man. That was all the rage. Yeah. Yeah, my wife and I in college, that was like when we were first, we were in a play together and like the play ended and we were like, well, we're never going to see each other again. And AIM was like a big part of like, 
keeping in contact and let's meet at the campus center. So Romance. yeah, Yay for yep. aim. that's right. That's right. Shout out to aim. I think it's dead now. I think they finally killed it. Yeah, Discord is the new aim. To give that's you true. Yeah. Yes. Al, you want to plug our library discord? We have a library discord. Yes. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um, we sometimes book club over on there. That's right. We're going to be talking about Thor in August. Yes. Maybe just the excited. two of us. We'll see. You never know. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Have you watched the Thor movie have, yet? Yeah. Okay, we'll save it. Okay. You can't tell me now. I won't say anything about it. Yes, but same same ways. If you want to join the library Discord, we talk about all sorts all of sorts things of in there. Things. Book reviews and just like general chat. Reading, mm-hmm. Random and then, memes, yep. all that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's right. And of course, the uh, the monthly book clubs where we're basically yes. looking at pop culture stuff, like what's what's going on mm-hmm. uh, in, in that uh, area every month. So yeah, David A. Howe Library on Facebook or All the Book Show on Twitter. Uh, and you can find back episodes of the podcast over on the YouTube channel. Lots of lots of fun ways to connect here. Next time, Allie and I are going to be talking about uh, well, primarily, would you say Heartstoppers or just the author in general? We're gonna we're gonna touch a little. I bit I feel on like Heartstopper is the way in, and yeah. then like we'll touch on some other things yeah. about the author in general. And I did, thanks to you, Allie, read it on Webtoon, so Ooh, I feel very nice. legit. I was very cool to my teenage niece the other day because oh, I had this in print, and I was like, well, I read it on Webtoon, and her mind exploded. So I was, now. yeah, I was, yeah. I was momentarily hip, yeah. All right, uh, but that is going to do it for this week's episode of How's Things. Thanks to our guest, Heather Malloy. Yes. And uh, you can check out, I, I literally Dervish forgot the title. In digital. Dervish in Digital from the David A. Howe Public Library. All right, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye.